electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The Biden budget, billionaires, buybacks, and what behooves the behemoths. The bigger picture is how do you get American companies to take more of that money and invest it in R&D and other opportunities here. Shanghai shutdown. Dr. Scott Gottlieb on China's plan to curb COVID spread again. This is a city the size of Texas. I think they're going to have a very hard time containing this if this has, in fact, gotten out of control inside that city. And there's some indication it may have. Those stories, plus an Oscars for the ages, streamers, slaps, and all the winners. Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. It really is streaming's big coming out party in Hollywood after years of knocking on the door, just trying to get in. And Joe covering the season's snoozes. I've seen Power of the Dog three times and I'm only halfway through it. And that happened to me. It's Monday, March 28th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. The Biden administration will officially release the 2023 budget later today, and it includes some new tax proposals that the White House thinks will ensure the wealthy and corporations pay their fair share. This starts with higher taxes on the rich through a billionaire tax. In reality, it would hit those worth $100 million or more, with a 20% minimum tax on all their income, including unrealized gains. The administration estimates this would raise $360 billion over a decade, and it would affect the top 0.01% of households, so one-tenth of 1% of Americans. And another key part of this budget proposal would put new guardrails around CEOs buying back stock and impose a 1% tax on buybacks. The administration also signaling that it would prohibit, for a number of years, corporate executives from selling shares received as compensation. And that is where we start today with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. When you look at what's happening and statistically, empirically, CEOs are selling into the buybacks at five times the amount that they would for companies that are not participating in buybacks. And so the question is, to the extent you want to discourage buybacks, and I know we've had a long debate with lots of people about whether buybacks are a good thing or a bad thing and how you allocate your capital and what's the best way to to find uh, the best use of that capital. But to the extent that people believe that buybacks are used to up compensation, up the value of that stock so that so the CEOs can sell. And there's clear evidence, by the way, that that is the case. Now, the you may take Apple sense, out of it. The only thing that makes but, sense to me in any of that is the idea that you don't want them selling restricted shares that they've just received. Well, no, you no, have to no. hold so, on to those, the beginning right. part of that. No, that no. So the restricted shares are restricted. No, restricted shares are restricted. I mean, no, that, that has nothing to do with what, it. The very first part of this that the, you mentioned. The, the idea is that if you have vested shares, you own the shares. Yeah. So you already own the shares. Let's say you own these shares outright. The issue is they're saying if you as a CEO or as a member of the management or board want to pursue a buyback program and you believe it's in the best interest of shareholders long term, great. What it also means is that you can't then for sell your shares into the buyback program. That doesn't make any That's, sense to me. But. Oh, so, so I would say 
I think that three years is probably too long. But I think that a year or two is actually probably not wrong because you, what you don't want is people goosing the stock, which is, by the way, the evidence is, is clear as day that what, what you see happening is CEOs pursuing a buyback program and then selling way more shares into the program than, than they would otherwise. It's just it, the, the numbers are startling. You mean at the same time as they're buying back? I mean, it, you need to wait a year to do something else afterwards? Well, this is the question. The question is, what is the, what's the period if you want, if you want to change what, that behavior? Explain the, explain the evidence that, that says that. They, they will initiate a stock buyback program and then sell all of their shares at the same time? Like yes, the number, the number of shares that are sold by executives in the process of a buyback program are five times in certain studies, ten times higher. Simultaneously. Yes, within days, weeks, months of that period than you will have otherwise. I Meaning the studies are clear. There's not, there's, I, don't, I think it's irrefutable what's going on in that regard. The question is, and by the way, I would expect that to be the case too. Right? The stock is up. Me, you it, want to sell your shares into it. Remember when investment bankers said you got to merge and then they came back and said you got to demerge? I thought we were, we didn't want cash compensation because the interests of the company wasn't aligned with the interests of the CEO. So then, right. remember and, we forced everyone to take stock and said that was, so now we got, why not just go back to do, to do cash instead of all these these bizarre well, this goes to backflips whether, whether, to make sure that you don't enrich yourself with the stock that you got, you're the, juicing it the with larger, the bond. The larger picture. Do you remember when? I remember that, but, the, but I. Wasn't it during the finance, during the finance crisis? Too I, much cash compensation. So let's go to stock. So then they do right. stock and then they do this. So now maybe we go back to cash. Well, how, do you, how do you game the system with the, cash? I think the larger question, How do you game it with cash? I think the larger, how do you game it with cash? Yeah. Oh, I think the cash. You just get a nice compensation, then you're not won't be doing any of these no, but things. I, I, no. Look, I understand the idea that you shouldn't <laughs> be selling into a share buyback because your cash, interest is still I mean. aligned with well, that's what, But the only reason that it's so common is because everybody's compensation became stock no, to align is, it with the company's interest. You were trying to align with the company's right. interest, and the issue is so never mind buy, on that. Look, buybacks. If, if you as the, if you are making decisions for the company that it's a good time to be buying back shares because shares are well, that's a different situation. Then you shouldn't be selling your shares. I get that. That's the point, and so. The question is, can you find a Why better you use of your capital? Why a different for and, yourself? And the, right. the thing that makes this the three, a three-year proposal difficult, I think, to Becky's point about the rolling, rolling issue is, right. if you have a company like an Apple that's in a position right now where, by the way, they can't go out and use their capital so easily and make acquisitions, right? right? Most big tech companies, what, for example, right yeah, well, now, that's what we've are, told are limited from, from most acquisitions. acquisitions. So the question is, can they find enough R&D opportunities, research and development opportunities right. to actually invest in America. I mean, by the way, that's what this all, the goal is. The goal is how do you take that and capital, $238 billion so far this year, and get it invested and, and in the a company, United States? If, if valuations are so high that, that, that a company feels that the best investment is not those things, but it's buying back. But it a, shouldn't be muddled with the CEO's compensation. So maybe we should have never gotten so far out well, with, no, this, no. with CEO, the stock. You shouldn't be making decisions that the company is saying, oh, these shares are undervalued, so we should be buying our shares back. But at the same but time, I want to sell shares, them. Issuing shares, buying back now. shares, those are all, this, the, a, a corporate manager but has the, to decide what is the right the, amount of float. And if you've issued too many for whatever reasons, you want to shrink the float. Sure, but the question is whether buybacks unto themselves. Look, for a long time, buybacks were seen as self-dealing. That's what, that's what buybacks were seen as. They were seen as a form not, of self-dealing. I know. They're, they're I'm, not, I'm just saying when that's... When they, I, I understand and why they're, they're particularly, not. They're, but they are particularly a form of self-dealing if you believe that the executives are selling into the buyback. 
purposely well, because the they're goosing the stock. Here's that's part of the problem. The issue. A lot of the companies I understand that you that's the issue. That are, if they didn't have stock as compensation, it wouldn't be an issue. And the that's problem my is point. they have so much stock as compensation. Like a lot of those companies you mentioned, technology. And that technology, was an, an answer to not, not being aligned. Executives, with, they're paying everybody. So the same in a lot kind of, of finagling with with how compensation works. And, the, and I think you you want your share. You want you the do. executives to be aligned with the shareholder long you term. Do. That's the point. Well, maybe have have bonuses. Uh, uh, then you're still dependent no, I, on stock price. I have price. no problem with having restricted shares. This, by the way, that you can still have people with restricted shares over time. The issue is if you want to pursue a buyback, and then the question is, what's the window? Right. And by the way, three years may be too long a window. Maybe That's what the White much, House, I think, is going to be proposing. Too much, the maybe pendulum years, swung too far with stock-based compensation. But here's the deal. Do you have to stop share, stock buybacks? Or if you issue a new stock buyback, you still can't sell, sell your old shares. I mean, well, I, this you, is, you that, get into the rolling situation. Where I think that when you get into the actual details, it gets, it gets complicated. But I do think the idea of limiting buybacks or, or limiting executive sales in the context of buybacks yeah, is I, a good idea. You shouldn't be doing what you shouldn't be doing both at the same time simultaneously. But the, bigger, but the bigger picture is how do you get American companies to in, take more of that money and invest it in R&D and other opportunities? Well, if it doesn't here. make sense, you don't. That's the question. If it doesn't make, you know, they do what they. That's why they're they're paid a lot as a CEO to decide how to allocate capital. Right, but the question is, are there ways to incentivize? spending here in the United States, and that's through, potentially, I mean, by the way, we tax dividends in a specific way. Should we be taxing right. these? By the way, the, the ta part of this proposal is to tax buybacks effectively at 1%. I don't think that that's going to change the equation for many companies. And then, if you issue, and then if you issue stock, you get a 1% rebate. If you issue stock, you get a 1%. Why do, you're just, you're just trying to manage your balance sheet. So right. buying back, you get penalized. So I guess if you sell shares, then you should get some kind of bonus for selling shares. It's it's complicated, and it's, it's you know all you're doing really is trying to decide what is the, the the right float. Do I need money? Do I not need money? Where's the best deployment of, of capital? Is it in buying back my own shares because I believe that they're 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 cheap? Right, I don't see everything else is too expensive, so I don't want to do any mergers and acquisitions. I Joe, think my company is the best one. But Joe, we do a lot of things in this country from a tax perspective that affect policy. They usually mess things up. Well, yeah. okay, so right now, the, we, we have a lot of ways to depreciate assets. We have a lot of ways to deduct yeah. uh, interest on uh, loans, because we so want is there that a way money Depreciating assets is a way to try and get people to invest in this country. But, that's, but, but what I'm saying is, we do a lot of things to get people to, to invest in this country. Depreciating assets is one. Uh, allowing people to take loans and deduct that interest is another. We do a lot of things. And, and here's just another of example of, of one code. of the things that we're doing. Now you could say, if you want nothing to be done, I don't think, if I said to you right now, you can't appreciate assets so, and you can't deduct interest on loans, I think you would look at me and think that's crazy. If you got a lower tax what? rate, I'd be okay with it to make a cleaner tax system. If you couldn't deduct state income tax, I think you were crazy. And it kills me every day, exactly. Or, or agent fees, which you don't need to worry you, about you, anymore. You live in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, exactly. What, okay. what was the last thing? I, uh, oh, and how many CEOs have they're going to say, oh, no, I didn't deliberately sell any. It's part of my program to, you know, to, to you know, my retirement plan has these. Well, look, these, I think, I think don't you change think the 10 one 5 program yeah, as that's well. That's what I mean. But that, they're going to say that that's why they're doing it. But I think all of this is part. No, but I think you're seeing Boy, what, what the SEC is backlash, doing in terms yeah. of disclosure. But I think this is one part of a piece. And we'll see. And I think it's going to create a big conversation in corporate America. Interestingly, though, the reason it's going to create a big conversation in corporate America is not because of whether buybacks are a good thing for shareholders. That's the point. The point is, if buybacks right. are such a great thing for shareholders, then guess what? The executives should be willing to sit on their hands and say, I'll wait a year or two. 
I but think they're shareholders reasonable. too, but then, and they but shouldn't then be excluded. You can't do a share buyback the following year and the year after that. Like, it, 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 I just there are companies that are in that are running buyback programs constantly. And part of it is because they're issuing a lot of shares to compensate their employees. Some of these tech companies doing just that. This is the greatest story. What's that? Don't invest in any defense companies that make weapons we could send to Ukraine, and don't invest in any fossil fuel companies that could save Europe from Russia. That's the greatest thing. Those are two great ideas for ESG. Coming up on Squawk Pod, a new COVID lockdown in China and a new phase of the pandemic here. We are lowering some public health restrictions, but not the mask mandate on planes yet. Dr. Scott Gottlieb weighs in. We are seeing infections start to creep up. If it kind of levels off over the next couple of weeks, which it may, I think the administration will go ahead and lift that. I think if they see infections continuing to go up through April, it's, they're going to be hard pressed to lift that and they'll probably kick it out another month. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Uptrack, standby Joe. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe? China beginning its largest and most extensive uh, COVID lockdown in two years, apparently in order uh, to conduct mass testing and try uh, to control a new outbreak in Shanghai, a city with more than 25 million people. Eunice Yoon joins us now with more on the situation. Hi, Eunice. Hey, Joe. Well, Shanghai's nine-day lockdown is going to be carried out in two phases. So from today until Friday, the east side of the city is going to be shut, and then the west side is going to be restricted until the following Tuesday. So in the lockdown areas, residents are going to be required to stay at home unless for medical or essential work. Public transport will be suspended. Non-essential companies and factories will stay closed. Now, the stage lockdown comes after Shanghai authorities had, up until this weekend, insisted that the city would not be locked down, mainly because of the the city's economic importance, in order to try to minimize the cost, as had been mandated by President Xi Jinping. Officials say that Shanghai will prioritize cargo trade. The port, the airport, rail lines will stay normal. Highways will remain open, with COVID tests required for those traveling out, such as drivers. The Shanghai Exchange won't be affected. Uh, City authorities say that the infections, though, just got too large scale for them to maintain their original plan, which has been this rolling uh, 48-hour COVID tests and mini lockdowns um, system. Instead, uh, Shanghai reported 50 new cases and 3,450 asymptomatic cases. Becky? Eunice, I, I mean, the numbers are still kind of shocking. The idea that 50 cases, 50 new cases would lead to a shutdown of a city with 25 million people. Um, do we believe the numbers? Is this really what they're doing? 
Well, it's difficult to say. Um, that's one of the reasons why they're conducting this mass testing, because they say that they uh, suspect there, there are a lot more infections in the population. Uh, there are a lot of questions as to what they're going to do once they detect many more people. So we've been hearing more reports about makeshift hospitals being set up, um, venues being cleaned out, uh, schools getting prepared to um, take in a lot of those more mild cases. Eunice, thank you. Uh, we will continue to get updates from you this week. Uh, a very concerning situation, Eunice Young. Let's bring in Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He is the former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor who serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And, and Dr. Gottlieb, hearing this, the idea of a 25 million person city being shut down at this point, I, I mean, it's kind of hard to get your head around at this stage in the game. What do you think of what's happening in China? Yeah, and to your point, when they say they have 50 cases, what they report are symptomatic cases. So those 50 cases are people who presented with symptoms. They have many more cases. They don't include asymptomatic cases, and they're not including people who become infected who aren't prevent presenting for advanced care. So you can surmise that those 50 cases are people who became so acutely ill they had to present uh, for care and they had symptoms. So they're dramatically undercounting exactly how much infection they have. We have no idea. This is a city the size of Texas. I think they're going to have a very hard time containing this um, if this has, in fact, gotten out of control inside that city. And there's some indication it may have. So uh, this was always a difficult proposition for China to maintain this zero COVID policy. And they didn't use the time that they had well. Uh, Fifty percent of the population over the age of 65 isn't uh, boosted, isn't vaccinated. They haven't deployed vaccines effectively among their older population. They certainly haven't boosted their older population. They've deployed vaccines that are proving to be less effective against Omicron. So I think it's going to be a very difficult circumstance there. I had heard Eunice reporting very early this morning, talking about the idea that there is now some conversation um, among Chinese people in social media and other places kind of questioning the idea of why can't they have some of these Western vaccines because they think they're more effective against Omicron. Um, Look, the Western vaccines may prevent you from getting really sick, but it doesn't stop the spread of Omicron. I just, um, what can they do at this point? And, and is this a situation where they are going to be overwhelmed because of these cases? Because to your point, they, they haven't taken the time to make sure that they're better prepared for when it does come. Well, look, someone who's received a vaccine here in the United States and has been boosted um, and has had a recent booster within the last four to six months, those vaccines do reduce the risk of infection and transmission. Not nearly as much as they did when we were dealing with the old variants, but they do provide some meaningful protection against the risk of infection and transmission with Omicron. So, you know, it does buy you some some reduction in the risk of advanced spread. The reality is you're right. Um, primarily what the vaccines are providing right now is protection against severe disease and hospitalization. But as we've seen in other countries like Hong Kong, which experienced a very devastating wave with a lot of death and disease, when you don't vaccinate your elderly population, the most vulnerable people in your society, you um, you you end up uh, having uh, very substantial impacts from the spread of this virus. And that's, in fact, the risk that China faces right now. A lot of their elderly population has not been vaccinated and certainly hasn't been boosted. So there's a lot of risk in that population. They did have a chance to deploy the mRNA vaccines. They had licensed uh, the Pfizer vaccine in particular from BioNTech and had a Chinese manufacturer set up to manufacture that vaccine for that market, Fosan. They made a decision not to do that and not to deploy it. I don't really understand why. It's not clear why they did that. They're now working on their own mRNA vaccine, but it's not going to be ready, certainly in time for this wave if they do face a wave of infection right now. Hey, Scott, two quick questions. Uh, one is we are about 20 days now uh, until the April 18th 
uh, date, in which case uh, airlines uh, may, we'll see what happens, uh, remove masks or not. The decision has to be made. What would you be recommending in terms of mask mandates on airplanes? Yeah, you know, my view was that they should lift that um, that requirement on airlines. I, I had figured, as we had talked about, that they would extend it for a period of time and, and announce a date certain when that would be lifted. They seem to have backed into this mid-April um, deadline. Remember, that was originally up in March. They extended it for a month. I think if we're not in the thick of another wave of B2 infection in the middle of April, I think they will go ahead and lift that. I think the uncertainty around that is that we are seeing infections start to creep up. If it kind of levels off over the next couple of weeks, which it may, I think the administration will go ahead and lift that. I think if they see infections continuing to go up through April, it's, they're going to be hard pressed to lift that and they'll probably kick it out another month. And that's what you would do? I mean, not, not what they would do. What would you do? I think in the setting of when infections are continuing to go up, if we're actually seeing a wave of infection, we, we're unclear how, uh, how large it's going to be. I think it's very hard to lift it in that kind of a backdrop. And so you'd probably extend it a month. Now, that said, I'm not so sure we're going to be in that situation. You know, we do see infections going up right now, but not dramatically. And we've seen infections starting to come down in Western Europe. So it could be that this BA2 wave that we've expected could be a brief wave. It won't be a very big wave of infection. And against that backdrop, I think they can continue to lift it. Dr. Gottlieb, thank you. Um, other stuff we'd like to talk to you about, but we'll have you back very soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheese will be next. Next, streaming's big night at the Oscars, overshadowed by a shocking, unscripted moment sure to become part of Hollywood history. Bonnie and Clyde messed up Best Picture. I remember Brando. I remember Rob Lowe and Snow White. This takes the cake. Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher on Squawk Pod. What happened last night at the Oscars was so dramatic, so unexpected, that I think viewers at home were confused about how they should think about it. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. There's the buzz from last night's Oscar presentation. It was not about the movies or the awards. It was about comedian Chris Rock and actor Will Smith. It's like the squawk set. Yeah, some background on that. That was a response to a joke from Chris Rock about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair. She has a shaved head and has been grappling with hair loss since revealing her alopecia diagnosis in 2018. Smith, by the way, later won the Oscar for Best Actor and apologized to the Academy and his fellow nominees in his acceptance speech. Slap has obviously overshadowed the big win by CODA, produced by Apple TV+. It was the first film from a streaming service to win Best Picture. Amazon's Dune won the most awards with six, but yes, uh, it was the slap that people paid attention to. could see Jada Pinkett Smith was none She's too not pleased uh, when he said that. You know, we do things for our wives that, that for our uh, and for they our spouses. Can understand the reaction at you some point. You don't want to lose People your temper are, yeah. to that extent. I, I, too bad that it overshot. I've seen Coda twice. You have neither none of you haven't seen it. You haven't no. seen it. I mean, does it change his um, Coda? No, I, I was no. Talking about Coda. Yeah. Does it change his oh, hireability at all? Will Smith's. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you're a Hollywood studio I don't and know. you see a moment like that. Does it change the dynamic? I don't know. I mean. It was inappropriate to have that level of violence, but again, you can understand when a spouse is wronged, that, that sense of anger that comes up. Um, 
I, I feel bad for all parties involved, and I think Chris Rock decided not to press charges. At least that was the right. position last night. Still could, I guess. No, he well, still could. It's too bad that, I mean, the, the best supporting actor, try acting with just sign language, and it, it is so moving, and, you know, I cried twice. I've seen it twice. It doesn't matter. My daughter, we showed her Saturday night, and she was just outright weeping. From, it's such a great... You know, I don't know whether that's what movies are intended to do, and I, I saw Power of the uh, Dog as well, and that's a beautiful, beautiful film. And, and Jesse Plemons is so understated. You know, he's married to. Um, and he, it was, that was good. And uh, the cinematography, and a lot of times the high-minded Oscar, uh, you know, the people that, that vote, they, they feel bad about giving it to a, a film like Coda. But if it can... Every once in a while, it can come along and really move you and affect you in a way that that's what a movie is, is really made for. I've seen the trailers for. and I've read about it, but I haven't the, seen the, any the, of these movies. The, the, he's, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but the, the father and, you know, his daughter, daughter and, she, and she sings and he can't really I've hear her sing. You can imagine that if you've never heard your... personally for him. That's what I'm yeah, talking about. And the look the on his face and he's yeah, holding her. her it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. I've seen it twice. So... Um, it's easy because it's streaming. I, I have to admit, I didn't yeah. watch any of the Oscars. I've not last seen. Night. Yeah, I've seen. I, I miss the. I well, miss the Oscars, and I miss basically every movie in the Oscars. <laughs> Power of the Dog, which speaks it, the, a little bit to where the, the movie industry the, though is. The right really now. funny thing was, uh, I saw one part. Wanda Sykes' joke was, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Power of the Dog three times, and I'm only halfway through it. And that happened to me because I saw it. I saw it twice. I fell asleep, and, and, and I realized I missed an hour and a half, and, I, and no wonder I didn't understand it. Join us now is Sarah Fisher, Axios a media reporter. That it probably vaults to the top uh, of Oscar moments, I would think, uh, Sarah. I, I tried to think of a couple of the other ones. There were, remember, Bonnie and Clyde messed up Best Picture, Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway. Uh, you me- I remember Brando. I remember uh, George C. Scott. They- yeah, I remember Rob Lowe and Snow White. This takes the cake, doesn't it? Won't this go down in Oscar lore? Oh, absolutely. And I was there in person during that 2017 snafu that you referenced. And let me tell you, this doesn't compare or that doesn't compare to this. What happened last night at the Oscars was so dramatic, so unexpected, that I think viewers at home were confused about how they should think about it. People in the room were confused about how they should think about it. And it's actually sparked a huge conversation about the future of jokes and speech, not just at award shows, but at comedy clubs. You know, do people have the right to go up and slap someone for a joke they don't like? Obviously, the answer is no, but because the Academy didn't do anything with Will Smith in real time, they let him sit there, they let him accept his award and deliver a speech, it's now become a debate online. Yeah, I don't know how that plays out. And I mean, obviously, that that qualifies as assault. And there could have been a law enforcement could have actually, I guess, uh, been involved. It it does overshadow a lot of uh, things that we'd like probably like to spend more time on. Uh, Sarah, and that is that streaming, uh, Netflix sort of pioneered it and had a great offering themselves, but Apple TV uh, Plus, you know, gets the first award. I don't know whether you, I've seen both movies and I love them both. And commercially, I, I thought that it, Coda was going to win. And I think, you know, every, once, every couple of years a film like that comes along that can really do what a film is supposed to do. And that's just move you to the extent that you didn't even think you're <laughs> possible to be moved. I'm not saying the cinematography and the direction Jane Campion with, with Power of the Dog was, uh, was amazing. They, they could have given it, I thought they still might give it to Power of the Dog. 
Yeah, going into the night, I think those were the two big contenders. So we knew a streaming service was likely to win. And you're right, it's historic. We've never seen a big tech company come in and win the best picture for the Oscars. But it's also historic for Apple, which only entered the streaming wars in 2019. Apple launched Apple TV Plus so many years after both Netflix and Amazon had launched their streaming services. You'll recall, Netflix first received an Oscar back in 2017. So for them, this has been a long time coming. They've had five movies nominated for Best Picture. Apple, of course, this is their first time being nominated for anything, and they took home all three awards last night. It's a historic moment for Tim Cook. I'm sure he's reveling in this against Reed Hastings over at Netflix, but it's also a historic moment for the industry. It really is streaming's big coming out party in Hollywood after years of knocking on the door, just trying to get in. What do you think the ratings, I figure ratings will be above last year, obviously, because it, it, it's in person, but we've seen the, the unbelievable decline uh, in the last couple of decades in, in viewership and everything else. Is, is it possible to salvage this night? It, it'll be better last night, I think. I think ratings are going to come in better last night than they have been in their past two years during the pandemic, but I think you're right. There is a downward trend for all live events here, and it's not going to end because the Oscars had one good night. Now, last year, the Oscars came in at a little under 10 million viewers. I'm expecting them definitely to hit the 10 million threshold for last night's event. But I do think, though, last night's streaming on ABC.com was also notable. If that is something that a lot of people engage with and a lot of people interacted with, expect the Oscars and other award shows to start to think more seriously about how they're streaming these content, streaming this content moving forward, especially because we've seen ratings declines throughout the past few years. They don't seem to be getting any better. Are they going to have comedians doing this? I mean, I, there's so many things you can kind of push into this. Is it okay to say jokes like this about somebody? We, we live in a society where we've gotten to the point where we don't want to hear a lot of things, but you're supposed to sit there in the front row and take it when, when they dish out things like this. Obviously, his response is off the charts, inappropriate. But look, it's, it's one of the things that's made these shows watchable in the past because you want to show up for the comedians. But when the comedy hits a, hits a vein and it hits somebody right there in the room, um, what happens? My, my guess is the other, the other award shows will want to try and capitalize on this and have something funny, have something for people to watch. This, but this I, isn't I the first time that, that comedy, you know, we, a lot of things are canceled that wouldn't have been canceled. And a lot of comedians don't like the way society is headed in oh, that way. And I don't pushback. think people are on. I mean, I, I, maybe I, I think our table may be different. I don't think people are on Will Smith's side for hitting I no, think, I I think it's just, it's awesome. No, 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 but, no but I'm saying, but I think that. Looking at the question, but look, I think the that question the jokes, is getting back to the jokes. It's, it's whether by jokes. By the way, it's not the first time that. It used to be anything went. Lenny Bruce, it was a legend because anything went forever. Now it's to the point where if you th have to think about I mean, every you remember single. remember Ricky Gervais would, would say all sorts of things about people in the room. Yeah. And then he, wasn't, then he wasn't invited back. Sarah, right. let me just ask you. So how many people saw CODA in a theater? I mean, that's the most significant thing, isn't it? Like three? That's weird that it's, it could almost be an Emmy, not, a, not an Academy. We got to rethink what a movie is at this point. Totally. I mean, it only brought in $1.1 million. I mean, that's not a lot of money, considering the fact that for the longest time, Oscar nominees were ones that were making millions and millions and millions of dollars in theaters. I think it was five of the top 10 uh, Oscar Best Picture nominees were not in theaters exclusively, which is absolutely huge. You know, if you think about it, 
more people are watching things on streaming, but one of the things that people are watching on streaming is dramas and dramas tend to win best picture nods. So it didn't shock me that a movie that didn't you know, crush it in the theaters didn't uh, ended up winning the best picture award, but quickly just wanted to go back to what you're saying about could a comedian host this again? Yes, a comedian will host this again. I don't think this is going to disrupt the award shows forever, but I do think this is part of a larger reckoning here in the U.S. around free speech, comedy. Look at what just happened with Dave Chappelle at Netflix. We're going to see more of these sort of fights carry out, but I don't think fundamentally this changes comedy in America. I don't think this changes award shows in America. We're in mid-change already, and it's another example, I think, Sarah. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Fisher, Axios. I just realized why we're not talking about Ukraine anymore. It's been washed off. That's the, the problem. By something Yeah, that's stupid. the problem. Yeah. And that's Squawk Pod for this Monday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can find them weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern or follow Squawk Pod and listen anytime. This podcast is available for download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.